Welcome to the Innovation and Technology Management Seminar Series hosted by the Engineering Management Program in the Pratt School of Engineering at Duke University. My name is Jeff Glass and I'm the Faculty Director for the Engineering Management Program. The purpose of our seminar series is to introduce engineers and scientists to various business and management concepts that they will find useful throughout their careers. Speakers represent a diverse array of industries from finance and information technology to materials processing and biotechnology. If you'd like to learn more about the Engineering Management Program at Duke, including these podcasts and any associated audiovisual materials that are sometimes available, please visit our website at memp.duke.edu. Thanks for your interest in our series, and please do not hesitate to contact us with suggestions or questions. Um, sometimes when I'm invited to these, I wonder, like, what can I say now? I've been in the working world for so long, and it's so long ago that I was in college, you know, can I still relate? But I will tell you that I do have um, two almost grown kids. Um, well, one is, uh, my daughter actually is a, a project manager at NC State. Uh, she went to NC State, but she's a project manager at SAS. And she actually went in a kind of a similar program, I think, um, at NC State after she got her bachelor's degree in math. It's called uh, Global Innovation Management, um, where they, they work on managing people in technology um, on a global scale. And they actually um, did one semester in the south of France, which I was really, very jealous of. Sounded like a great time. And then my son is studying to be a high school math teacher. And he is a senior at State and actually doing his student teaching in Raleigh right now. So um, almost completely uh, on their own. Um, so I like to you know, share things with them and make sure I'm not too, too far out of touch. Um, I've really enjoyed, how many of you are familiar with the company SAS? A few of you. And we um, produce SAS software, particularly um, in the analytics area, helping customers um, and companies take the data that they have and use it to cut risk, to reduce fraud, to predict what customers are going to do, all types of things. Um, when I went to work at SAS 31 years ago, um, there were 50 people there and it was just in Cary. Now there are um, probably around 12,000 worldwide. We have offices almost everywhere. You know, they, we have actually have R&D centers in Beijing, uh, in Pune, India, um, and, in, and here in Cary. Uh, and then we have sales and education and tech support all over the world. So it's been a really fun experience, um, even though it's kind of the same place for 31 years, but just totally different over those years and, and quite a lot of fun to see the technology change, see every see companies become more global. Um, and one of the things that um, I've always liked is I've, I work mostly with um, people in information technology. <clears throat> We're very similar to other engineers. My husband's actually a civil engineer. Um, and they're a great group of people to work with because basically they want to fix problems and they want to make things better. So um, managing that type of person it's just an awesome job and quite a privilege. Um, so I've, I've enjoyed it over the years. Um, one of the things I always talk about, I, I know you guys do these every Friday. Um, you hear different people talk. And I always go back to my older sister when I was pregnant with my first child. She said, read all the books, listen to all the advice, but then go with your gut feeling. 
Um, and that's something that I found. So, you know, maybe I'll say something that you heard before and just reinforce it. But the more, the more people you listen to, um, the more people you learn from, the better you'll be when you get out into uh, the work world. So, you won't agree with everything I say, but hopefully there'll be some things that you'll like. Um, I like to kind of do things by using a, I'll do it in blue since I've dressed in red. Um, so do you guys know that your um, roots are in the Methodist Church? Anybody familiar with that here at Duke? Anybody know that? <laughs> Hopefully. So I'm going to use the word Methodist. Um, and the first thing I want to talk about is model the way. Um, when you're working and, and when you're managing people, you have to be what you want them to be. You can't just tell people to do things and, and they'll do it. Um, you have to do that and you have to create an environment of trust um, where they can succeed. And there's many different ways that people, um, you know, paint kind of the vision. Um, I don't know if you, we had a basketball coach at NC State years ago. Um, Jim Valvano, you may hear his name sometimes on ESPN. Um, you could go listen to him talk about basketball and you would be motivated to do whatever you did better. He just had this awesome way to motivate people. I do not have that. <laughs> um, but I, you know, So that's one way people do it. And other people more do it in a gradual, uh, just day-by-day -day way. You might take um, football coaches or... Um, are good examples of that, Tom O'Brien at NC State. Um, but you have to model the way and so that people can, will follow you. Um, one of the things on that, too, is um, listening to people and getting their input. Um, and not just listening to people that work for you, but um, the people that you work for. Dr. Goodnight is our CEO, and one of the things I've found over the years, I think I finally broke the habit, was when he would call me, I would be so anxious to do what he wanted me to do to impress him that I would not listen to the whole problem. Um, and more than one time he would say to me, Suzanne, stop for a second and listen to the whole problem before you run off trying to fix it. So listen is a good thing. Um, embrace change. This is one that a lot of people have a, a hard time with. There's actually a, an exercise I've done before where they um, give you this test and they put you in a like a semicircle and the people that really embrace change and the people that like things the way they are. So do any of you just love change? There are people like that. It's like whatever's new and they want to embrace it. Um, I'm probably in the middle somewhere. Um, but especially in engineering and technology, it is constantly changing. So things are not going to be the same. So you may get a job and you may just love what you're doing. Um, and then new technology comes in or somebody with a new idea. You have to be ready to embrace that change. And those are the people um, that are successful in the business world. Now, not all change is good. You also have to be able to recognize, for instance, um, 
computer world <coughs> promoting whatever new technology. Well, all new technology is not going to take off, so how do you know which one? So you kind of have to watch and see, um, you know, what is going to be good. I know, like, years ago, um, the first tablet PCs came out, you know, and a lot of people were asking me, are we going to get tablets for everybody? And I'm like, why don't we get, like, you know, 20 of them and have a pilot group and let's let everybody use them. Well, at that time, this is probably seven years ago, they weren't really ready. You know, so maybe one of the 20 people actually ended up keeping this tablet PC. Um, of course, now, that's all you see. Um, so embrace change, but also don't jump too much on what's just, you know, um, what's being advertised or the bandwagon. Make sure it's change that you want. Um, one, one group that didn't do a good job of embracing change is, uh, remember when everybody had Blackberries? I actually still have mine. I'm just <laughs> a creature of habit there. Um, so how many of you now have Blackberries? And how many have iPhones? <laughs> Androids? Here. Um, so sometimes companies don't see that either. Um, trust. If you can create a climate of trust in the group that you work in, it is amazing what can get done. Um, and how do you do that? Um, you do that through consistent persistent communication through transparency where everybody's able to, um, you know, get their opinions on the table, where people are able to disagree and talk about it and talk through it, um, where you do what you say you're going to do. Um, there's a great book um, called The Speed of Trust by Stephen Covey. Any of you ever read that? It's an awesome book. Um, and it talks about developing that culture of trust. Um, and, it's, and it is totally amazing how quickly things can get done when you're not having to work through this group not getting together or these two people not talking or this person being passive-aggressive. Um, a great example that happened at SAS, um, for years our global offices were kind of separate. Um, and about 1995, I actually went to Dr. Goodnight and asked him is if the IT people could start working more together and if we could have like um, global meetings where all the IT people got together. Um, so we began to do that type of thing and we began to develop relationships with the IT people in the UK or Italy or Asia Pacific, wherever. Um, and over time, you know, and at first it was kind of like, why are they suddenly interfering in our business? But as we began to talk more and work together and share ideas and, and have more uh, communication, um, we began to, to work really well together. Um, and then in about 2007, um, to the surprise of, I think, all of us but two people at SAS, Dr. Goodnight decided to um, close down our European headquarters. And they had worked with a lot of the offices. And all of a sudden, the IT stuff that they did, we were going to have to do and carry. Well, because of those relationships that we had built with the IT people in the UK and in Italy and in France and in Denmark, um, we had their help. Um, and so we were able to take 
uh, IT staff of 54 got cut down to seven people that joined us in the U.S. and still keep everything running. But it would not have been possible if we hadn't developed those relationships of trust uh, and respect before it happened. Don't worry, be happy. <laughs> It is so much easier <laughs> to work with people who are positive and look for the good in things. Um, I mean, you've got, you come to work every single day. You know, do you want to work with people who are grumpy or do you want to work with positive people? So I just can't tell you how much I appreciate people that come with positive attitudes. Um, and just sometimes in the way that you portray something. We have what we call statements of work when we're working on a project. And um, sometimes the tendency of people working on that project because they want to show how much they're going to fix something that they will, like, for example, we um, customer addresses, you wouldn't think that was like a big deal, but it is. It's really hard to keep up with them because they're always, customers are buying customers, um, customers are being bought by other customers. So keeping up with customers and which company owns them and which companies are the same ones is a really difficult thing, and especially as you go global. You know, you want to um, keep up with IBM and its different global offices, or do you want to look at it at one? How are the contracts written? So that's a rather big project that we're always working on. This is always changing. And if somebody comes and they say, you know, in a meeting, our customer systems just stink. They're a mess. Well, then the people that have been working on them for years, they're just going to, like, turn off and say, I'm not helping you on your project because you don't recognize what I did. Whereas if they say, you know, our customer systems, um, though much improved over the past five years, still need a lot of help. You know, so it's all in how you say things. Um, and you have to respect the people that have done work before. Because ten years ago, they had a certain amount of information and they started working on something. Ten years later, you're looking at it and you're wondering, why in the world did they do this this way? But you have to remember they had a, you know, the, the whole situation was different. So whenever you can word things in a positive way, try to do that and you'll get other people involved with you. Um, I was reading something not too long ago about... Um, um, women and their contribution, and this is how it read. Women's contributions often go unacknowledged. Their innovations seldom mentioned. Their faces rarely recognized. I was like, gosh, what a whiner. You, know, you start reading that, you don't even want to read the rest of the article. <laughs> um, whereas if they say, let's make sure that women's contributions are acknowledged. Let's brag about their innovations. You know, just do it in a positive way because nobody wants to listen to a whiner. Um, I find that there's a um, Facebook group called uh, a STEM group um, for science, technology, engineering, and math. And they're that way. They're always complaining about how the U.S. is so behind in that. And I'm like, let's celebrate the things that you're doing. You know, let's look for good things that are happening instead of whining about how bad we are. Um, observe. Tell me if I um, This is something that sometimes young people that we get in at SAS are not good at. <laughs> uh, some people are really good. I love getting new stu students that have just graduated or interns in 
because they're usually really excited about whatever they're doing. Um, but one of the mistakes some of them make is they'll come to you and they'll say, what do I have to do to get ahead? You know, like you're going to just write them a little checklist and they just can mark it off. The best way is to observe people that are successful at whatever company you, get, you go to. Um, see what they do. Um, watch how they do different things and, and model yourself after them because different, different countries, different companies have different cultures. And what might work at SAS you know, may not work at Google, for example. So observe the people that are um, successful there. Um, I always remember um, I had a meeting with Dr. Goodnight right before, um, right after a guy that seemed to have a really good relationship with him. And I was sitting there listening to him, and one of the things that I noticed that he did in such a nice way, when, when your boss, for example, will tell you to do something, you'll say, well, I could do that, but, and then you give forth your better idea or the reasons it won't work. Well, as soon as you say that, but, they're just going to, you know, then you're disagreeing with them. And I found that this guy, he would say the same thing. He would have his disagreements, but he would say, that's a really good idea, Dr. Goodnight. And then he would go on to say how he might do it. And just changing that but to an and, it was amazing how much more, you could just read Dr. Goodnight's body language that he would listen to him. So observe what other people do and what works. Um, I was on the board of trustees at NC State for um, about 10 years, and that was one of the things that I really enjoyed because there were a lot of people on there that were very successful. And just observing how they worked with other people and how they would facilitate um, discussions and all was, was um, extremely helpful to me. And I was amazed at how, how nice they were to each other. And, and a lot of them had been in politics. And today you wouldn't think, looking at our politics, that politicians could be nice to each other. But when we were actually working on things, um, they were quite um, cordial and respectful of each other. Um, one of the other things that that I've observed that people who don't procrastinate um, are very successful. And particularly... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got some um, Particularly people that's like when you do your to-do list, put the thing that you absolutely are dreading doing at the top and get that done first. Then you'll just, you know, then it's like this weights off your your shoulders and you can do the rest of it and have fun. Whereas if you do the things that you want to do, the whole time you're doing them, you're not even enjoying them because you know you got to do that last thing at the bottom, right? So um, I had a guy, a kid once, he was like the smartest kid I ever worked with. I'd go in to talk to him and it would like hurt my brain. I'd have to say, okay, Randy, stop. i got I to catch up with you. Um, but he would go in and when he was coding like um, a system, he would, you know, the rest of us, this is how we would do it. Oh, I know how to do that. I'll code that. Oh, I know how to do this piece. I'll do that. And we would put off the thing that was complex till the end. But Randy would, you'd go in and look at his code, and his comment would say, know how to do this, know how to do this, so he wouldn't do that part. And he would go straight for the most complex piece and fix that. And then it was easy to fill in the rest. So do the things that you hate first, then they'll be done with it. <coughs> Delegate. 
usually when you're a student, you don't have a lot of people you can delegate to, right? <laughs> um, but once you become a manager, you know, and, that, and this is actually something we see with the students that we have. Sometimes it's hard for them to, to kind of back out of doing everything themselves. Um, but the more you can give to the people that work for you, the easier your job is, and also the easier it is for you to move up to the next level because you have time to do that, do stuff for that person. Um, and it, it's amazing how much people like to do, you know, because they want your job. So the more you can give them and the more responsibility you give them and let, let them make their own mistakes. Um, I do not have the problem of being a perfectionist. Do we have perfectionists in here? I imagine we have some. Anybody claim to be a perfectionist? I'm not, so I'm okay with people making mistakes. But that is a mistake that people, perfectionists, will make. They want to control everything so much that they don't let the people that work for them do their job. Um, so try to do that. Uh, we had a basketball coach, our last one, and um, he was a point guard when he was in college. And he would, the poor point guard that played for us, Sidney Lowe would be like telling that point guard exactly what to do during the whole game. So the poor kid's trying to play, looking back at Sidney to see what he's supposed to be doing because he wouldn't let go of it. Let the kid play, you know, let him make his own mistakes. And that's, that's what you have to do with people too. This will also help you with your kids. Let your kids, when you have them, let them make their own mistakes because you learn a lot from natural consequences. Imagine possibilities. I guess you could also say innovate there. Um, but, you know, look at things, and especially this happens to you when you've been working for a while. Um, why are we doing this process this way? You know, is it just because we did it five years ago that way? Is there new technology? Is there new data? Is there new information? Are there new people that can do things differently. You constantly have to be looking at things. Um, kind of gets back to the embrace change. The people that love change are constantly looking at ways we can do things. So you need to make sure that you have some people like that on your staff that are questioners, that are asking why you do things the way you do them. Um, one good example of that is um, when people started using Facebook, now it's old hat and you're probably on to something new, right? Um, but we would find in the summertime, the use of Facebook at SAS would, would be like a little bit and it would peak when we had students, you know, and then it would go down. <laughs> <laughs> and some people wanted to like not let people use it. They wanted to block Facebook. But what we found as we looked at it was the students that came in were, you know, they were communicating with each other. They were even sharing, you know, yes, they were planning what they were going to do that night too or whatever. But they were also working together um, and they were sharing information. So we're like, okay, that's another way to communicate. So we actually um, now have something we call the hub, which is a Facebook-like thing that we look, use at SAS. So rather than, you know, just keep it to the same old way of doing stuff. Let's look at what's new. Let's look at what students are doing. And in technology, 
usually whatever the students are doing is what we're going to be doing in a couple years anyway, so we might as well embrace that change and figure out how to use it. Um, so, so that's actually been quite a bit of fun. Um, another example is we have central IT that I'm responsible for, but we also have IT groups in each division. Well, we used to have like, you didn't know where they were. They were everywhere, you know, like in marketing. There's a few IT people over here in this group and a few IT people in that group. And it was really hard for us to kind of get a handle on things. And some of the people that worked for me said, we need to go to Dr. Goodnight and tell them we want them all to work for ISD. And I'm kind of like, eh, I don't want to do that. So instead, um, we talked with them and we figured out where everybody was. So we asked each business unit to centralize the IT people. So they don't work for me, but at least I know in marketing, I go to Belinda because she's in charge of that IT group. In sales, I go to Emily. So we kind of let things work themselves out. So when you're looking at problems, imagine the different possibilities and don't be just stuck on one way of uh, fixing it. Um, which is one of the reasons we love um, engineers and math majors because they really know how to attack problems. So <coughs> not, you can't always solve problems one way. You have to look at the different possibilities. Um, stick with it. Persevere. This is something that amazes me that really smart people coming out of school don't always have. Um, there are many people at SAS that have been here, there as long as I have that are not as successful. They're smarter than me, <laughs> um, technology-wise, but they just give up easily. You know, um, If something doesn't work out for them, they're just happy. You know, And that's fine if that's what you like. But if you want to succeed, you have to stick with it. You have to persevere. You have to keep trying. Um, the same really smart young man that I work with, um, he was working on a, um, a, a program and he was using one of the SAS solutions and he had some ideas for it that he, and he was telling me about it. He said the solution would work a lot better if it would do you know, X, Y, and Z or they change this. And I said, well, you know, why don't you call the developer and let them know that? And he's like, I'm a student. I can't call the developer. I said, sure you can. I said, if you don't feel comfortable calling him, send him an email. Um, so, you know, I see him a week later and I said, so what happened? He said, I never got a response. I'm like, so you're going to give up? Well, what else can I do? Well, you can call him. You can go see him. You know? So you, you just have to keep, if you have a good idea, you have to do it in a nice way. Um, but if you have good ideas, don't let things keep you from pursuing those. Keep at it. Keep asking. Um, and we appreciate people like that at SAS. Um, and that's, that's how things get better. I would, um, back to, to basketball. So do any of you actually like basketball? I love basketball. <laughs> so you guys do. So there was this Duke State game recently, right? And State was playing awesome. I mean, it looked like we were really going to do that, right? <laughs> you know, but you guys didn't give up. The Duke team just stuck with it, you know. They were behind by 20. I don't think we've ever been ahead of Duke, you know, in the past 10 years. They didn't give up. Then at the end of the game, when you were up by like three, I think, with like a minute to go, you know, I think if we told our team, you know, a week before that, 
you'll only be behind to Duke by three with a minute to go, we would have said, great, we have a chance to win. But because of the way the game went, if you looked at our team, they, they, had, they had quit, you know, they had lost. Even the coach and the bench all looked like they'd lost. Um, so there's, it's the same kind of thing. It, is, it really is true that team sports mirror life, and you can learn so much for it from them. Um, observe, you know, what do, what do basketball coaches do? They have their um, players observe good players and good teams and what they do. So a lot of these things, um, basketball really is a microcosm of life. Um, oh, I added S to methods. <laughs> um, thank people and praise them. We do um, employee surveys maybe once every few years. And it's always amazing to me, no matter how much you think that you're praising people and rewarding them and thanking them for what they do, they always want more of that. So if you want to be successful, and not just with the people that work for you, but the, with your peers, with your boss, take the time to thank them for what they do. Thank, take the time to praise them when they've done something well. When you have kids, same thing. Really works well. It's, you cannot do a lot of too much of that. You may think it, you know, I'm, this is nauseating. I'm doing too much of it, but you really can't. And the more specific you can be, so you just don't say, you know, you're great employees, but you tell this employee he's, you know, you presented that really well in that meeting, or really like the system that you wrote, and you know how it performs well. The more specific you can be the better. And make sure you praise up too because um, I know whenever I say something nice to my boss he always looks at me like, what did I do? Um, so can't do a lot, enough of that. And then the last one is um, recognizing people's strengths. And using strengths. Um, you know, basketball is that way too. Um, Austin Rivers, I think, is y'all's point guard, right? Great dribbler, great shooter, great driver. But he's not a shot blocker or a rebounder, right? And he's never going to be. He may get a few rebounds, but he's not going to be a shot blocker. You know, so why spend time working on that? Spend time on the things that he's really good at. And it's the same thing in the working world. You know, if somebody's really good at user interfaces, put them on that. And this person like me that could care less how things look, don't put me on something like that, and I'm never going to be good at that type of thing. Um, so use people's strengths. Um, you know, you, and when you're, when you're getting a team together, it's really important that you make sure that you cover all the things that you need. But you don't need five identical people. You need different strengths, and use those strengths. And that's, the people that are really successful, that's what they capitalize on um, take Stephen Jobs. He was never a great people person if you talk to people that worked for him. I mean, some people were gone and came back and he was mean to work. But that wasn't his strength, you know. I'm sure he probably hired some people that, that you know, ruffled, uh, smoothed some of the ruffled feathers. Um, but, but he was a genius. So um, there's also a great book I wanted to mention, Now Discover Your Strengths by Marcus Buckingham. Um, it's a really neat book, and it actually takes you through 
identifying some of your strengths um, so you know what you're really good at. Um, but I would recommend that book. It's really good. Um, and to that point, um, I read an article recently um, when you're talking about strengths. And you'll see these a lot of times. Like, is it more important to have innate genius or to persevere? You know, and it's like, can't we have some of both? You know, we have some people that are geniuses that can just do things really well. We have other people that are successful because they just stick with it, you know, and they don't give up. So you can have those. So anyway, there's some of the things I've learned over the years, and I would love to um, take some questions about anything. <laughs>